Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered that lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let us pray. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Come Holy Spirit. Oh, lead us again. I pray that these words of mine may not be my words, but they may be your words. And that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pure and acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, you've heard me mention this before. Our son Jack eight years old, is kind of a rock star. In our neighborhood, he is like a rock star. We, we, rock, we come up the street the other day, recently, and we were getting home from somewhere a few weeks ago. We rolled up the street, and we got out of the car, and immediately, three or four little girls, Jack, 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 play with us, play with us, play with us. And he goes, off he goes, swept. The other day, we were coming home from something, and he was really tired. And we start, we're driving up the street. And these little girls, like, I think they started chasing the car. Jack, Jack, Jack. And he, and Jack slowly sinks down the back seat. Dad, I just, no, I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> oh, it's rough being a cute little boy, isn't it? Well, at this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus has that same issue like times a hundred. So far in Mark's gospel, Jesus has been proclaiming the kingdom. He's been teaching with authority. He's been calling people to himself, driving out demons, healing people. And that's just the first chapter of Mark. Mark moves immediately, immediately. Stuff happens, boom, boom, boom. And by the end of the chapter... The crowds around him get so big that he can't go into towns. Jesus can't even go into towns. He has to stay in out-of-the-way places. Still, the verse right before this passage declares, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. 
And the demand for him doesn't stop. Here's our passage. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no one left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. People come, they perceive somebody who can meet their needs. So they gather around. But in this situation, in the crowd, as the crowd watches him in this room teaching, All of a sudden, while Jesus is preaching, suddenly some dirt begins to fall from the ceiling. And down comes this paralyzed man, lowered to Jesus by his friends. Because since they could not get him to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat the man was lying on. These guys are so determined to get their friend into Jesus' presence, they were willing, they were willing to make a mess to do it. They're willing to make a mess. Scholar Walter Wessel points out that the typical Palestinian peasant's house was laid out such that access to the roof was by means of an outside stairway. The roof itself was usually made of wooden beams with thatch and compacted earth in order to shed the rain. Sometimes tiles were laid between the beams and the thatch and the earth placed over them. The four men brought the paralytic to the house where Jesus was, but when they saw the size of the crowd, they realized it was impossible to enter by the door. So they carried the paralytic up the outside stairway to the roof. There they dug up the compacted thatch and earth and no doubt Dirt showered down on those inside the house below. They removed the tiles. They lowered the man through the now exposed beams to the floor below. Wow. They bring him to Jesus, even when it involves digging and dirt and interruption and risk. They bring him to Jesus even when it takes some unexpected effort and creativity. This is what this is all about here. It's not really complicated. We bring people to Jesus. That's what church is in essence, right? We invite people to bring their needs to the Lord. Sometimes we carry them here. Sometimes we have to dig a path. We could be standing at the bus stop waiting with our kids, or maybe on a break at work, or maybe talking with a neighbor, and we can ask, how can I make a path to bring this person closer to Jesus in my life and the life of God's people? Maybe invite them to the church picnic today. Maybe invite them to Oktoberfest in October, right? October 15th. Maybe invite them to the Christmas cantata, which is coming this year. Or maybe just take them to coffee. Listen to their life and then offer to pray with them. It's a path. Maybe invite them to explore Jesus in a Bible study. One of the ones we have here. Maybe just you and them. Or maybe find out their questions about ultimate reality and purpose. And then invite them to explore that with a Bible study or just some reflection together. Or maybe they are in another religion. And you just start 
by asking them what they believe and then you quietly begin to compare and contrast. Where are their connections and where are their differences? Corrections. Or maybe someone just needs you to serve them. Maybe that's the path to dig. Clear up their yard. Literally clear up a path. Make a path for Jesus by making a path through a cluttered house. Maybe bring them some groceries. Pathway through food. Some of us really like that. The plan really is simple. Dig a path. Get that person in the presence of Jesus. If you're wondering where to start, start with the person's needs. Everybody has needs. This guy was in a deep physical need. He was paralyzed. Other people have other needs. They might be lonely, hungry, sick, depressed, addicted. Maybe someone's having a hard time getting older. Maybe someone's having a hard time being young, being a teenager. Or maybe it's a challenge to be a parent or a son or daughter or a grandparent. Or maybe it's financial woes or bitterness or guilt. When we bring people to Jesus, one way to do it is to dig a path through these needs. That's the pathway. The needs can provide a pathway. You may have to dig and understand. We talk about raising our profile in the community as a church, and we, we want to do that. We have events here. We have things that we invite people to, and we'll continue to do that. But you know the number one, you know the number one way to raise a profile of a church? If all of us here dug a path to somebody in our community that would bring them to Jesus Christ. It's really not complicated. You may get dirty. You may have to take a risk. It may be hard. There might be rocks in the way. Or that path may, you may have dug a path and then more dirt fell in there. You got to dig it out again. You know, if everyone here did that, wow. I know some of you are doing it. Now, when we bring people to Jesus in any of these needs, when we bring people to Jesus, it may turn out that what Jesus actually begins to do in their life isn't necessarily what we or they expected or maybe even immediately desire. Listen, verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Wait, I'm paralyzed and you're giving me forgiveness? The guy was paralyzed. Wasn't it obvious that what he needed was healing? He hadn't even asked for forgiveness. His friends hadn't asked for forgiveness for the guy. His friends clearly had another need in mind, but Jesus doesn't meet that need first. He forgives him first. I wonder how the paralyzed guy's friends felt. They'd made all this effort, and the first word they heard was not healing, but forgiveness. This may happen to you. You may go all this time to dig a path and do, and then God moves in a way you didn't expect. Wait, that wasn't my agenda. <laughs> it didn't do what I wanted you to do, Lord, but God's always doing something. Maybe they felt duped. Maybe they were intrigued. Maybe they were blown away. The text doesn't say. The text just focuses on Jesus' direct encounter with the paralyzed man. Now it immediately, it hones in on that moment between Jesus and the man. When we bring people to Jesus, we have to then let go of our agendas for what might happen, what he might do. 
And we have to watch and listen for what God actually does and what God's actually doing. That's a big part of following Jesus is constantly laying down our agendas for what we think God should do and receiving what God actually does. You brought them, you brought this person, you dug a path to Jesus for help with an addiction, but the Lord first wants them to hear that they're loved. You brought this person, you dug a path to Jesus for them to deal with a struggle with dating relationship. But what the Lord wants to do first is he wants to bring them in a deeper intimacy with himself and with God's people. Or like the paralytic story, you brought this person to Jesus for healing and you begged and they begged. But what Jesus really wants to do is first show them his grace. Our immediate concerns always matter to the Lord for sure. He gets there, he heals the man. But because he's Lord, he's the primary assessor of what needs to happen. We may think we know what needs to happen. God, you need to do this. And then God does something else. And maybe we feel like we failed because we're so focused on our particular agenda that we that blocks out our perception of what God wants to do. God's God, not us. Son, your sins are forgiven. Maybe, maybe that statement shows us our deepest need of all. Some commentators suggest that this paralytic must have felt burdened by sin. Well, that's certainly possible. I think it's also possible that he didn't know what he needed and that God told him what he needed. The text leaves a lot of room. Jesus just calls it. We really don't know if the paralytic was soothed, comforted, bewildered, or perplexed by this. Perhaps the gifts that Jesus gives us are not always what we would have expected, but what he gives is what we need. The paralyzed guy needed forgiveness first. There's also a possibility that this guy needed to forgive others. Maybe he needed to forgive others. And before he could do that, he needed to receive forgiveness himself. Whatever the case may be, modern medicine confirms that forgiveness is actually connected to physical well-being. The website for John John Hopkins Medicine says this. Whether it's a simple spat with your spouse or a long-held resentment toward a family member or friend, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It may be affecting your physical health. The good news, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health. Lowering the risk of heart attack, Improving cholesterol levels and sleep and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. Maybe Jesus is pretty smart after all. (laughs) We're starting with forgiveness. Research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. Dr. Karen Schwartz, MD, director of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at John Hopkins, John Hopkins Hospital, says, quote, there is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you in fight or flight mode, 
which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Wow. Or maybe we just need to look at Don Henley, the great Don Henley, songwriter from the Eagles, who wrote, the more I know, the less I understand. All the things I thought I knew, I'm learning again. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter, but I think it's about forgiveness. Isn't that a great song? I love that song. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus didn't care about the guy's paralysis, but he, in his lordship, perceived a deeper need. The first words of Psalm 39, 139, my favorite psalm, say, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. We can bring our needs to Jesus for sure. We'll find out that he cares about them for sure. He really does. But we'll also find out that his purposes, his power, his presence won't merely be limited to what we think we need. He sees even more clearly than we do. He knows your needs better than you do. The needs are the path to the Lord, as we said. We can dig a path through needs, but they're not Lord. Jesus is. However legitimate those needs may be, we all always have a need to be forgiven. You may take that as an insult. You need to be forgiven. But if the one telling you you need to be if the one telling you you need to be forgiven also forgives you, what's the problem? <laughs> what's the insult matter? Earl Palmer, one of my favorite preachers, evangelical reform, Presbyterian Renaissance man, wonderful Earl Palmer, says, I can insult you as long as I can redeem you. <laughs> that was good. I can insult you as long as I can redeem you. In the only way Earl could say it. This is our Father's heart. This is our Father's heart in Jesus Christ. He who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus says. We know the Father through the Son. This is more than just a story of kindness. This is how God acts when God puts skin on. You see, the religious leaders saw this and they were so offended by this apparent preacher protocol that they missed the suddenly good news. This is how God behaves when he walks among us. See, they saw it. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, God is among you with skin on and this is how God acts. Jesus will go on to say, you know, that he has authority to forgive sins. We don't normally associate authority with forgiveness, do we? Or, or power with forgiveness. We have power over something. I just bought an extra, Jill and I just bought a new exercise bike. Our old one broke and, and, uh, we ordered it. And then this company that I was supposed to deliver it and put it together, I was calling them. We paid for them to do this and I called them and I didn't get an answer. And I didn't get, I didn't get the, uh, you know, any kind of, I, I heard, well, we're trying to get the tech and delay, delay, delay. And you know how this is. You start going, oh, what's going on? I paid for this and I really want to get this. And what, oh, you start getting it. And you kind of have the, you know, power. You're, you're the paying customer, right? So there's power in that, right? And you start thinking, I'm going to just, I'm going to just get, mm, 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 what's going on? And you get the power. And along with that sense of power, is it necessarily forgiveness that comes? No, it's more like, you know, I'm going to, and I caught myself. You know, and God was working on me with that. Like, dude, chill out. <laughs> we are people of grace. 
We are people of grace. God is all powerful. We owe God a debt we could never repay. Every one of us does. And look at what God with skin on actually does. Doesn't just come collecting. Doesn't look at the paralyzed guy and say, see, you owe me, you sucker, you know? And how often are we tempted to do that? Leverage our discontent and the power we have in a relationship to get ours or to, you know, express our discontent and, and take that power we have and turn it into a hammer. Look at that in yourselves. I think it's human nature. God doesn't roll that way. God knows we owe him, and yet when he puts skin on, he forgives. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. Jesus gives this gift of forgiveness, and it's first and foremost a gift meant to be shared, not hoarded. Scholar David Garland puts it this way. The church needs to proclaim in its words and deeds this offer of forgiveness. Which can cleanse all sin. There are many whose souls are strangled by a snarled undergrowth of oppressive guilt. The word of Jesus can tear away the tangles and release fresh forces of renewal and energy in people's lives. Oh, that's good. Thank you, Dr. Garland. That's good. Do we live forgivingly? We've been given forgiveness by God with skin on, who sees the deepest need within our paralysis in our lives or whatever else is afflicting us. He cares about those needs for sure, and he deals with them. But a time to get down to the heart of the matter, Don Henley's right. It's about forgiveness is core. And as we heard from Hopkins, modern medicine, modern medicine backs that up. The great Patty Griffin, another one of my favorite singer songwriters, sings in her song, Forgiveness. I heard them ringing the bells in heaven and hell. They got a secret they're ready to tell. It's fallen from the sky, calling from the graves. Open your eyes, boy. I think we are saved. Open your eyes, boy. I think we are saved. Everybody needs a little forgiveness. Or maybe a lot. May we receive it and give it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may we live forgivingly as people forgiven. Amen.